All right, everybody, welcome back. It is Thursday, February 13th here at the Lockdown Red Wings podcast and all across the world. I am your host, Detroit sports writer and longtime Red Wings fan, Noel Bianchi, here today, as always, with my co-host, Boring Ethan. How you doing, Ethan? Pretty good. It's been Uh, like deja vu. (laughs) I know. We're recording this, like, not too long after recording Wednesday's episode, uh, as we mentioned earlier. Obviously, that Wednesday episode going up late. So you got some back-to-backs for you. You got some extra listening going on for your Thursday commute, that snowy Thursday commute. I heard it was going to be double the traffic times, so I did the listeners a favor, and I doubled up our content for the day. How do you like that? Wow. Devotion. That's me. Always thinking about the listeners. You're a man of the people. Yeah, so that voice, if you're hearing that right now, is the voice of Sergio Colchester. He is a uh, longtime Red Wings fan, a Detroit resident, and uh, someone who has been so disgusted with the state of the team that he has refused to watch any games this season. Uh, Sergio, tell us a little bit about yourself and what your current state is with the Red Wings. Hi, everyone. Uh, Yeah, um, grew up in in the suburbs of Detroit in the nineties. So, you know, like everybody else that did that, I'm a diehard Red Wings fan used to, uh, used to watching the boys win cups and, you know, win, win the division every single year. Uh, never thought it would come to this, uh, having one of the worst records in NHL history. Uh, so when the season, as I always do, full of hope thinking uh you know we got these really talented young forwards Steve Eiserman's coming in gonna install a, a, the winning culture here they're all, all these forwards are gonna blossom into uh into stars we might get two or three all-stars even this year even with the efficiencies we have on the back end you know we'll figure it out we might we're, we're gonna battle it out for an eight seed Went to uh, went to probably five or six games in October, early November. Uh, at some point, I think the Wings lost like 15 games in a row. I think it couldn't got to take 12. it anymore. Yeah, yeah, 12. Couldn't take it anymore. Decided, uh, you know, I'm just I'm out on this season. I uh, so I checked out. Haven't watched haven't watched the boys in two or three months and. I, uh, now, Sergio, burning. Sergio, I know you mean that because, you know, just for some quick backstory real quick, Sergio and I, you know, met on the Twitter sphere. He's a very passionate sports fan. And uh, we were talking during this Michigan State season uh, just about how disastrous the program was. He's a big Michigan State fan. He's a big Lions fan and just a guy that wears his heart on his sleeve. And when his teams weren't doing good this year, he swore off football. And uh, I told him he was lying, but uh, the, the next Sunday I, I saw him and he was showing me pictures of him riding his bike at an apple orchard. So he stuck to his word. The football thing is a completely different story. And I, I could elaborate and expound on that, but I don't, this is a hockey podcast. I will say this, you know, the state of Detroit sports is unlike anything that I ever anticipated. I think it's unlike anything any of us ever anticipated. And uh, it, you know, it's tough to watch these. We all spent our whole lives, you know, in the winter, all we had, we could come home, throw on Fox Sports Detroit and watch a couple, a a dominant basketball team or a dominant hockey team. Yeah. We don't, we don't have that in our life anymore. And uh, it's, it's, it's tough. 
And you well, being a, uh, a Michigan State diehard, obviously, you know, you can usually fall back on the Spartans to, to bring your, your hopes back up during basketball season. Same with Michigan fans oh, as of uh-huh. late, but neither of those programs have been uh, rolling as of late either. Listen, the night is dark and full of terrors. I heard that somewhere once. Really, I, uh, yeah, it's ugly out there. But we're so, here, listen, I went to this game on Sunday afternoon. It was the your first game since when? It was the first game. I mean, I think I've probably gone to a couple of games here and there over the last couple of months. I live downtown. Uh, people tend to just dump their tickets on me pretty frequently. So I'll, oh, go catch nice. a per- I'll go catch a period here and there. But this is the first, the first time I really <laughs> intently watched the Titans. Really intently watched the Red Wings and probably, I don't know, since, let's say early, early December. So, I mean, we probably should have explained this earlier. That's a bad job on me as host. But basically what Sergio (laughs) Colchester is here to do is, uh, you know, when he told me that he swore off the Red Wings, I said, well, have you watched lately? And he said, no, absolutely not. And so I said, okay, well, how about you just watch two weeks worth of games, you know, not knowing kind of what they've been up to except for the fact that they've been losing and just report back to me. So we're going to have Max do – is, uh, you know, he went to the, the game uh, against Boston on Sunday. He missed the Sabres game because he was at yoga. Who among us? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think from now on, so we'll say, we'll say for the next two weeks starting uh, Friday, and then we'll catch back up with you. Maybe we'll, we'll update, you know, once a week on Friday. So how's that sound? We're working this out on the air. Yeah, I think that works. Uh, I'm going to be a, a voice of the people. The, the common Red Wings fan disappointed the, how things have gone this year. Absolutely. And that's exactly what we need because, you know, I think boring Ethan and I, we've taken on, uh, well, our uh, professionalism is just at, at a level that, that most people will never reach. So uh, it'll be good to have, you know, the, the fan voice here as well. Like a modern day Bill Simmons. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, Max, you went to that game on Sunday. What were your impressions? You know, Thing like Sunday afternoon hockey. Let's let's start with that. Um, Absolutely. No matter no matter how uncompetitive the Red Wings can be, uh, anytime you're walking in to an arena, be it the uh, the heralded Joe Lewis or uh, the less heralded Little Caesars, anytime you're walking into an arena in bright daylight. You know, right after breakfast, brunch, lunch, to watch some hockey. There's a different feel about it. It's uh, it's it's really special, and that stayed the same. You know, even with the Wings in this state, the, the crowd. It was like an old school Red Wings game. The crowd was was really into it. I thought the same thing. Um, it really felt the Wings won. They they beat the Bruins. They played well. Something. It just felt old school. It felt like a throwback. And it felt a lot different than any other game I've been to at LCA. And that includes the first one of all, which even at that one, there's been a, just a different, a different feel. There's the first time LCA felt like the Joe. That's what I'll say. Um, and that was really cool. Man, those are strong words. I think, I think I've been to two Red Wings games at LCA I've been to a couple of Pistons games, and like you said, the place is just dead. Uh huh. 
And yeah. you know, I, I think I went, I went to a UFC event and that was without a doubt the best atmosphere. And like that building, the acoustics in that building too are unbelievable how loud that place can get really makes you, I, I can't wait until it's this going, team is good. Yes. It's, it's going gonna be amazing. to be an amazing arena when yeah. these teams are good. And I, I think that, you know, we'll get into it a little bit later. I think the wings are a lot closer than anybody thinks. But, yeah, the, the, the vibe at LCA on Sunday afternoon, it was, it was something that really stood out. It was packed, and it wasn't yeah. filled with Bruins fans. There was a lot of rep. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so that was really encouraging. It was nice. It was nice to go back in time for, and, and revisit, you know, the world when the Red Wings were important. And great. Well, Sergio, I'm 100% with you. I was at that game on Sunday as well, and uh, I completely agreed. It, like I, we came on this podcast on Thursday or Friday, and we talked about, uh, you know, this is going to be a slaughter fest. That was a direct word that I used. And then when I was at the game, I'm sitting there, you know, just kind of looking around. And you are right; it felt different. It felt like this game meant something even though it definitely 100% didn't. And if they would have just gotten the doors blown off them, I mean, whatever. It is what it is. But they, uh, they, they stuck with it. They looked good. They got outplayed. But uh, Jonathan Bernier was, was huge again. And, you know, I don't really think that you can say that that is a, a knock against the Red Wings because Jonathan Bernier has been the most important part of this team all season. And so if you're just looking at the fact of, yeah, their goaltender saved him again, I mean, hey, that's going to happen with a team that uh, lacks as much talent as this one has right now. What did you think of the game as a whole, like the uh, watching watching the game and just the different players and stuff like that? Who stood out to you? I was impressed with Giovanni Smith. Um, that was nice to see. Uh, he played with – he was fast and – he was kind of all over the place. Um, I was a little bit so so going into this season. I thought Andreas Athanasiu was really going to be something special. Mm-hmm. Um, I was expecting I'm, 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 him. I was expecting him to be an all star. Um, and uh, obviously that hasn't happened. He spent a lot of time on the injured list, and I know he just recently came back. But I, and I also know that he scored two goals in that game. But aside from that, he he looked lost out there, man. I mean, I I saw on multiple occasions, uh, just on simple breakouts, you know, somebody like he would somebody would pass the puck to him going up the ice on a breakout, and his head would be going the wrong way. And I don't know if it's a chemistry issue with the new players on the team, but that was you know that was some peewee stuff that I I I. I would not expect to see out of an NHL player um, was incredibly impressed with Bernier, obviously. And that was, I want to ask, you know, Bernier is a veteran. Um, yeah. Is he somebody that this team would retain? And could he be somebody that's a Red Wing for a long time? I, I mean, that's kind of hard to say just because there's so many moving pieces that go along with that. Uh, I mean, he's 31 right now. He's got one more year on his contract. And I think a lot of uh, a lot of the answer to that question has to do with how well either Philip Larson or Keith Petruzzelli uh, steps up over the next two years and maybe gets to the NHL. Uh, and then as well, just, you know, if he can keep this up, Bernier's had some ups and downs in his career, but at the end of the day, he was an 11th overall pick. 
Uh, he did have some good years uh, with the LA Kings, just the Toronto situation didn't work out. He's been rocky here at times. So, I mean, that's something that I, I don't know if that can be answered right now. Really, too, you got to think that. I mean, he's got one year left on his contract. Howard's up after this year. Howard's also 35. Bernier's 33 or 32. I mean, it's tough to fill slots in goaltending in the NHL. Like, it's tough oh, yeah. to find two, two new goalies to bring in. So, like, I really, I really just don't see the Red Wings getting rid of him this year. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you never know what happens with development and stuff like that. Larson could take a huge step forward, like, for all mm-hmm. we know. You know, I, it's, it's tough to say, but I really just don't see him at least going anywhere, like, this year. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, we've talked uh, – we've gone back and forth about the merits of trading Jonathan Bernier. And, you know, I like I said, I, it would be great if, like, if they get a godfather offer for him. I'm like, I don't, I don't think he's untouchable. But I also think that, uh, like we've talked about before, having that last line of defense to, like – I mean, for a young player who makes a mistake, right? He turns the puck over in the neutral zone, play goes the other way. It's a two-on-one or two-on-oh, whatever it may be. And the goaltender makes a stop. You still messed up, but it's like, it's just such a smaller hit to the confidence than it is if they give up, if that's a back-breaking goal. So I think that, that his role in the rebuild and development of the younger players is probably extremely important, honestly, at this point. Yeah, and so, I mean, I think it's important. It's a position where, you know, it's the, it's the only position in hockey where you're on the ice the whole game and, uh, and you know, you have a, a real starting goaltender. They're playing most of, the, most of the games. You don't need to worry about so much about depth. You, just get, you can really kind of just get one guy and, and you're okay there. And I, I, I'm encouraged by the way that Bernier has played this year in thinking that at least for the purposes of a rebuild, we might have that taken care of. Just to get a, a scope of your Red Wings fandom, how old or, you know, what age range are you in? Let's, let's keep you a little bit, let's keep a little bit of mystery there. Are you an early 90s baby or? I am a mid 80s baby. So I was in the heart of my childhood for the full rise you know, of the Russian five and the Scotty Bowman era. That's, now, that's what we'll say. Now you talked a little bit about Joe Louis Arena earlier. Do you have any, do you have any favorite memories from your time oh, God, going there? It's the, it was the, that was the most significant place I think of my entire childhood. Uh, I grew up, my dad, you know, a lot of us kind of how we get into sports. My dad took me to, a ton of games growing up. It was my favorite place in the world. My, my childhood was basically the only, the single thing that I cared about in the world was the Detroit Red Wings. Um, so went to a lot of games with my dad as a young, young child. It kind of became our thing as we grew up. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I made sure it was really important to me that uh, I be able to take my dad to the last game at the Joe. So, spent a obnoxious amount of money, an irresponsible amount of money to do that. Uh, so that'll give you, I guess, an idea. Uh, yeah, it's a, sort of a big part of my life. Now, Sergio, do you have any uh, favorite players right now on, on the Red Wings? Anthony Mantha. It's a, I, I'm waiting. I've said 
forever. You know, I go, I, I still go to games here and there. If, if I'm at a game and Anthony Manta scores two goals, I am buying his jersey at that game. I don't care if it's $225, which is, by the way, preposterous. Yeah, $225. Uh, that, you're talking just at LCA, right? I don't know, but at LCA, the jerseys are $225. Well, like, hopefully we can get you to a game <laughs> soon. We're, now we're on uh, Anthony Manta jersey watch. Yeah. I mean, I just – Anthony Mantha scores two goals. I don't care if the second one's an empty netter. Hell, I don't care if they're both empty netters. I want an Anthony Mantha jersey, and I want a reason to force myself to, <laughs> to spend that ridiculous amount of money for one. I'm not going to do it without him scoring two goals. I mean, you could buy a jersey for much cheaper not at the game. Are you sure? Yeah, have you ever heard of AliExpress? I don't, really, I, don't mess, I don't mess with the Chinese internet. Bro. Oh, dude, Alibaba. <laughs> What? Yeah, that's the way to go. That's, that's where I got no. all my jerseys. Listen, have... if you wanna if you wanna order it for me, I'll Venmo you. Oh no no no! I moved off that a long time ago. It got too hot in the streets. I had a I lot don't of. Think, I, don't, I don't think you can get anything from China right now, anyway. Or you'd want that's, anything. That's yeah. That that's a good point. Probably move on from that. <laughs> Now, what, what part of this rebuild you know, intrigues you the most uh, as, as uh, a fan who is kind of living and dying with every game this team plays and, and a fan who has a pretty heavy dose of optimism going forward? What makes you think that this team is as close as it is? And what do you mean these by forwards, close? These forwards, these forwards. It's, uh, I see a lot, A, you know, I already mentioned Manta. I think Manta is the perfect prototype forward that you want to build a team around. I think he has the potential to be a 40 goal scorer. Um, I love the way, I love the way he plays. I love, I love his size. Um, I love his shot. Um, Dylan Larkin has got a lot of Steve Eiserman in them. I feel like um, you can see watching him in these games, how much it bothers him that they're losing and how much he wants to win and how much he has a will to win. And I, I think that's going to be incredibly valuable. We talked, uh, we've I, talked about that a, a lot too. And that's an excellent point. Like we, when you talk about who the next captain is going to be for this team, I think the pretty unanimous decision is Dylan Larkin. And it, it really has nothing to do with his play on the ice though. It has been, uh, you know, full of effort in the, in the face of extreme adversity. Uh, I think the more impressive thing, like you just mentioned is, how much this is bothering him, but how willing he is to go out and stand out in front of the firing squad in front of the, you know, reporters every single night and be the one to answer for the team and answer with accountability. And, and a lot of that, I think that's a great well, point. He's one of us, right? He grew up around here the same time we did. Um, you know, it's, it's an incredible opportunity for him to play for his hometown team, but he knows the standard uh, that this that this organization holds itself to, and I think he wants to be the one that that gets us back there. I think you're absolutely right. Now, what uh, what about this the back end that the Red Wings have working because they have some intriguing prospects okay. back there. Uh, I mean, <laughs> prospects certainly. I, I would like to start watching some some Grand Rapids Griffins games. I don't know if anybody, if any of the devoted listenership knows how I could stream those online. Uh, AHL TV. AHL TV? 
Yeah, I don't know how to do it illegally, but I wouldn't disseminate that information <laughs> on this podcast, even if I did. Um, I, want, I, want, I got my uh, Wi-Fi taken away when I was at OU. For uh, I accidentally, well, okay. Accidentally? I purposely, you know, downloaded uTorrent on my computer, and then I accidentally torrented a movie on the university's website, or on the university's shame. Wi-Fi, and they, it's, uh, it's... they took my privileges away. <laughs> You know, it's it's so relatable. It's it's you just inadvertently that that'll just happen. It's crazy. This this technology, you know, sometimes it's just it 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 takes control of itself. Exactly. Like I said, it wasn't. It was a true accident. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I I mean the the defense. You know, everybody everybody says Eisman loves Rona, uh, and and uh, Chalowski looked good when he came up. In brief stints last year, um, yeah. but uh, God, we just gotta really hope that Mo Sider is is the real deal, and that he gets he gets to be NHL ready a lot sooner than he probably actually will. Based on what I'm watching as well, like when you watch him down there, I think he looks ready. I I think he will be full time next season. He'll get his nine games this year, and then next year I think he'll definitely be up here opening night for the full season. That would be that would be terrific. I mean, the, that's another thing. Like goalie with defense, all you really need, you know. Now we got we got three young guys. All you really need are a couple plug and play pre agents, serviceable NHL defensemen to come in and step up. And certainly, this team's going to have room to be able to to bring those those types of guys in. So right, you and know, you already have I, most of your top six forwards locked down, and you have exactly. your top two or top three defensemen locked down as well. And that goes back to when you were asking me why I'm optimistic about this team, at least not necessarily in the super short term, but in the you know shorter term. It's because the toughest thing to 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 lock down. There's so many. You need so many forwards, and we have so many cheap young forwards that are really that show a lot of promise um so if we can go out in free agency i keep on saying we which not no, you're a fan no 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 keep going podcast keep podcast going quality. that's excellent fan talk. <laughs> uh if, if if eiserman goes out and signs a couple of free agents on the blue line in this off season and we can get through you know a year when not every one of our promising young forwards deals with a serious injury. I think that this could be a competitive team, especially if we're solid in net, which Bernier is showing that there's there may be something there. No, and I think you're uh, – I think there's a lot of uh, – I think you make a lot of valid points. It, it, it's kind of one of those things where you look right now and it's like kind of confusing like, why isn't this team scoring more goals? You know, but like, it's just really to me, the depth. And that is to me, what's going to take time to build is that depth. And I don't know. I, and I mean, Ethan, you probably have your thoughts on this too. I don't know that Iser, I, I'm actually pretty certain that Iserman's not going to be that aggressive to try and accelerate this rebuild this off season. No, like the way he did with Tampa, it's just going to take, I mean, he's got an extra second and an extra third round pick in this year. I like the guys that he drafted last year. I mean, it's just going to take 
another this year's draft. I mean, the way it's going right now, we're guaranteed to have at least a top four pick. Ideally, we can get Lafreniere, and I mean that that guy could put up fifty, sixty points next year. That I mean, can accelerate a rebuild. It could be huge. It's just it really we're really not going to know until really the draft lottery comes and see what we can get there. I mean, like like uh, Sergey. Sergio. Sergio. Sorry, Sergio. <laughs> like Sergio said, you know, I mean, plug and play a couple of good defensemen. I mean, I could see Cider coming up, like you said, next year. I could see Eisman being vague Eisman and saying, hey, oh, we're going to give him nine games and see how he does. And then just keep him up the rest of the year because, I mean, he's playing 24 minutes a night in the AHL as an 18-year-old. Please, please never use a mocking voice. When when doing Steve Eisman ever again. <laughs> no, I, not, I fully trust him. Respect, <laughs> do not ever disrespect Steve Eisman in my presence again. Okay, I'm sorry. We got some hostility between a friend of the program and uh, and a co-host here. You gotta love it. This this podcast is everything. That's that's one reason why I invited Sergio Colchester to come on to this podcast because uh, well, he speaks with a certain conviction that you just really can't find. <laughs> Uh, now, Sergio, what? <laughs> uh, this is the last question we'll ask you. What do the Red Wings need to do to win you back this season and get you to watch the remainder of the games? Just win sometimes, <laughs> like for real. Um, it's I can I can watch a team that is winning, you know, three out of ten games. I can't watch a team that's winning one out of ten games. And uh, three or four out of ten, maybe not three. Um, I love hockey. I love Red Wings hockey. I'm I'm excited for the future of this franchise. Get some guys healthy. Call some guys up from Grand Rapids. Uh, let's see this young talent, and uh, you know I'm excited for the future. I'll be watching the Wings. I mean, you got me committed to these next two weeks anyway. Yeah, so here's, uh, here's who you got over the next two weeks. So if we run this through Thursday the 27th, at, or we'll run it through Tuesday the 25th, so then we can talk to you for Friday's show. So right now, as it stands, you're, you're <laughs> I mean, it's not a very – it's not going to inspire a lot of hope for you. They got the Devils on Thursday uh, at New Jersey. Then they go to Boston to play at 1 o'clock on Saturday, to Pittsburgh to play at 1230 on Sunday – uh, and then they got Montreal at home. They're at uh, at the Islanders, at home against the Flames, uh, and then they play the Devils again. So, I mean, the Devils. God, I love I love being in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. It's so, Devils, it's so awesome. The Devils and Canadians. Uh, you know, they're probably two of the softer games that they're going to play. But these next three, uh, where they got uh, Boston and, and Pittsburgh on a back to back over the weekend both away games, I think that one's going to be a little rough. It sounds like we're going to be seeing some good hockey. You might, uh, you might come back on this podcast and tell me that you just can't stick out the, the rest of the two weeks. <laughs> hey, <laughs> they, they beat the Bruins. They this beat is true. the Bruins five times in a row. I am a, little bit, I am a little bit nervous for them to go into Boston next. 
I know, right? <laughs> I have a ba- I have a bad feeling about that one, especially because too, and like it, we're running out of time here, so we got to wrap this up. But uh, I mean, Boston had just played the day before, if I do recall, before they came to Detroit. Like, I think there were a lot of things working against them. And they were on an absolute tear heading into that game. And it really – it was one of those games – it came in the – I don't know what their run was at, but they were on something stupid, like an unbelievable, like, 10-game run. And, uh, I mean, they're the best team in the NHL. I think that they're going to be – with this – with last Sunday's game so closely in the rearview mirror, I think there definitely will be vengeance to be paid. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. We got Montreal, though, so, I mean, that's hopefully a win. Well, yeah, my, the Red Wings are, let's see, 5-0 and against Montreal and Boston this season. I'm yeah. pretty sure. So, yeah. Small victories. Listen, got to dominate the original six. Absolutely. That's, that's, what, that's who the real really, winner all, of the yeah, season that's is. Really, yeah, that's, that's, that's the real Yeah, that's the real champion. If this were 1954, they would be Stanley Cup contenders. Yes. So – uh, Sergio, do you want to give the people your Twitter or would you prefer to uh, stay a little more low key than that? We'll keep it anonymous for another couple of weeks, maybe. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps one day. Uh, we appreciate you guys joining us today. You can find us on Twitter at L O underscore Red Wings. Uh, find me on Twitter at Noel Bianchi and then boring Ethan. Where can people find you? Uh, my Venmo is E thirty ninety five. Perfect. Uh, we will talk to you guys tomorrow. We look forward to seeing you right back here. And we look forward to seeing Sergio Colchester, friend of the program, in, uh, in next Friday's show. So thanks, Sergio, for joining us. Thank you, guys. Everybody watching Yo Yo Pio on Netflix is really good. All right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>